What's up, guys? Drake here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. As we said before, earlier in the week, we are proud and we are happy to bring you Mr. Trey Roland of the Triple Option YouTube channel or the video podcast, as he likes to call it, and also formerly of the Rollcast. We had Trey on for the State of the FS Union back in April. So he had to be kind of like a temperature check of the state of the affairs actually at the FSU football program. And we also had him back on last year after the UNC game. So it's kind of, you know, fitting if we have him on again after UNC win for the bye week too, and also for leading up to UMass. He brings a sort of different take on FSU football, whether it be X's and O's, personal opinions. And also he he's no hold barred. He's no filter. And that's why we love to have him on. That's why we want to bring him to you guys this week. And it's just me, Max, and Trey just chopping it up. And hopefully you guys enjoy today's episode. There's a, It's a two-parter. Today you'll be listening to it on today, Thursday. And also we have part two on Friday. And then, as you all know, on Saturday, we have the Week 7 Pick'em with Mr. Danny Domino, the professional handicapper himself. So, without further ado, here's myself, Max, and Mr. Trey Roland. Fellas, take it away. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team... Every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Drake. I am joined by Maxwell's Ward down below, and we have a very, very special guest, the one and only Mr. Trey Rowland of Triple Option has joined us. And from his face, I think he's a little surprised with a little intro that we had just now. Trey. Holy hell, man. What's that going was on, slick. My I didn't realize I was with such professionals. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta care. That's great. I gotta step my game up, guys. That was very nice, very slick. We like sent you to your corners, you know, and you're in your own little. You get to kind of just like get hyped up, get ready to. Get yeah, ready it was to good. I didn't know that was that was unprompted. So that was just uh, production value such as this. Now I, let's go, boys. Hey man, if you're paying top dollar, you gotta expect a little production value. Uh, if anyone Absolutely. knows that quote, let me know where it comes from. But happy to have you here, man. Thanks for swinging by. We appreciate you joining us on this glorious fall evening to talk about Florida State football. Absolutely. It's it's crisp up here in Iowa. There's pumpkin spice sprinkled on everything. Uh, this is the time of my people. The corn is being harvested, and we are in the thick of football season, which has been decidedly up and down. How many seeds with that thick, though? Is it three seeds or two seeds? Like how, how thick are we talking here? Mm, three seeds and a K, brother. I like the way we're going. But before we dive into football, I do got to ask one, you know, sort of fall question. So since you are the corn people up in Iowa, I need to know your stance. I got a little, you know, Twitter debate right now, earlier in the day when I was on my lunch break. What's your stance (laughs) on candy corn? Oh, Jesus. This is like one of those things where it's like it's cool to say that it sucks on Twitter. Because like online, like like everybody pretends like Nickelback's also horrible after like a couple bush lights. But uh I'm a proponent of candy corn. I don't know if that's going to get me thrown off your program or not, but uh, I don't mind it. Now, I'm a, anything with peanut butter is clearly superior as a Halloween snack, but uh, I, you know, I'll munch on some candy corn. I'm not above it. I have no shame. 
And folks, that was the episode for today. Thank you so much, Trey, for coming on. I'm joking. <laughs> no, is, I'm that a big a th- is that a thing, though? Is that the newest pineapple on pizza? The internet's coming for candy corn? Dude, it's been a long time thing, man. It's 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 depressing because I love candy yeah, corn. Tell me you didn't have a good childhood without telling me. Listen, it's just a little sugary triangle. It's got right. these different layers. You can, like, bi- bite layers. into the layer, and you can get to the little tip. Like, it's, it's just a fun, it's a fun snack. Generation of vegans, man. Generation of vegans. Oh, and now right. they're coming for candy corn, which is probably made with high fructose corn syrup so it probably is real real corn in a way right trey i'm curious with you up there in the in the great white midwest are you in an iowa state town an iowa town what's the main college football allegiance amongst the people with whom you fraternize 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 Fraternize. yeah close enough (laughs) we're a hawkeye we're a hawkeye household here they have been they have been my number two team and Diabolically, I actually like to watch them play because they're the bizarro world version of Florida State. Uh, their linebackers play with great discipline. Uh, they are well coached in the secondary. They're always where they're supposed to be, and they have very solid offensive line play. So it's like just take Florida State and just just invert it, and that's like Iowa. So I get like a weird pleasure in watching them beat like Northwestern 20-16. to 16. So they're my – they're my solid number two team. We are a we're Hawk House. God, you fully converted to the Big Ten sloppy defense type of thing. I mean, not them all, not them, not them all. But since we are an FSU program, let's talk about you know the team that we all three of us cover here. We had you on for the FSU State of the Union, the State of the FS Union. I want to say back in April. We also Clever had fun. One. hell of a fun man. Yeah, it was good stuff. Trust me, we tried so hard to find something that worked for the offseason because the offseason was long, and you know that better than anybody else. And, Trey, let's just start with a generic question right now. As of today, today, you know, October 19, 2021, how do you feel about the state of the FSU program, you know, as of today? Oh, my God. I'm slightly optimistic because I I never would have predicted that start. That start was – an abomination. It was disgusting. It was probably the worst loss in the history of the program. 0-4 was not fathomable to me. So somehow, after that 0-4 start, stringing together the Syracuse and particularly the North Carolina win in the way that they beat North Carolina, that dominant performance where it was just, it wasn't ever really a question from halftime on, um, was almost as surprising as the start. And I feel slightly optimistic because there are there are circumstances brewing in the college football world, specifically at Florida State's rivals and some schools that they are in some hardcore recruiting battles with, where Florida State can scrape together a nice back half of this schedule. Boys, we're back in it. Yep. We're, we're back in it. Florida wants Dan Mullen gone. They're tired of the humpback. Manny Diaz is literally sobbing like an 11 year old girl at a one direction concert after every single football game he's in like Jesus Christ. I think he sucks. So I don't feel bad for him, but I can understand how a lot of people do. And Dabo is finally being revealed as the fake piece of Southern trash that he is. And I love Southern people, but Dabo is Southern trash and he sucks. And people are starting to finally realize that I was ahead of the curve on Dabo sucking years ago. And everybody's like, no, nah, he's a good guy, man. He, 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 you know, oh, shucks. Blah, blah, blah. No, he sucks, and everybody knows he sucks now. So we just do what we need to do. The possibilities are endless. But we got to take care of the work on our end. 
what I don't get is why why we can't all be good at the same time. And I don't mean that in like, let's all get along. I mean, like, what's going to happen is we're going to start coming back and then they're all going to start to suck again and it's just going to become Florida State doesn't play anyone because our rivals are going to be terrible. And it's like, dude, but I want to I want to dig it on Dan Mullen a little bit because I think everyone sees what's happening with Diaz. Obviously, look, they're two and four just like we are. They're mm-hmm. the only reason they won what they won eight games last year was because of a frankly a lucky break with us firing Willie landed them a great transfer quarterback and now we're seeing that that was just a splint that let him hobble you know down the path a little bit more what do you think about the mullet situation what's his how much runway does he have left I mean when does does Florida kick him out do they do an Ed Orgeron non-renewal like how do y'all see that one playing well, as long as Dan Mullen doesn't have a like a cavalcade of like Hogtown like women, and he brings their kids to practice, I don't oh, know I if they've got it. I don't know if they've got. I don't know if they can do an Ed Orgeron. My, my man Ed, <laughs> coined by my friend Juan at Tomahawk Nation, is the Gumbo Shrek or the the Etouffee Ogre. Uh, Ed Orgeron was a wild boy. <laughs> Ed Orgeron was a wild boy over in the Bayou. The Kuyan. The problem with Dan Mullen is that he is a very good X's and O's coach. Clearly the recruiting he has no time for, and he's an odd guy. He also doesn't seem to have time for reshaping his staff. He has got some allegiances to some guys on his staff that absolutely suck and are dragging him down. So the problem is, is Florida state, I mean, Florida is in the was in the quagmire that like Florida State's in now, right? They had McElwain. He faked death threats. They had Muschamp. Bodies in that guy's closet. They've been in the quagmire of bad coaching, and they finally found a competent one. So do you do you give that up? Do they try to be like the champion chasing school, like championship chasing school that they want to be? I don't know. I do know that patience within the fan base is at a boiling point, particularly with their quarterback situation. There's like an Emory yeah. or a, uh, the Richardson kid. I think it's Anthony Richardson. Yep. yep. That's going good. They want Todd Grantham fired. They hate their offensive line coach. And if Dan Mullen is stubborn enough to not do anything, he could find himself being out of a job in maybe a year or two. It all depends. It, it all depends. I mean, it's funny that it flipped this quick when they only lost to Alabama by like three points or whatever. Like it's <laughs> college football comes at you fast, man. So there, I can tell you from the general consensus of the fan base, they're worn out with his, his arrogance and his inflexibility. And it's only good things for Florida state. Cause he's not a good recruiter with how good they've yeah. been the past two years. They should have cleaned up the state and they have not. And it's cause he's an odd guy from Vermont or whatever. He's just a weird dude. So I didn't realize I was talking to um, my girlfriend's father, who's a big Florida guy. And I, I don't know. I never paid that much attention to uh, Muschamp. I didn't realize they all thought Muschamp was a super weirdo, too. Oh, I always is. thought of him as just kind of like a normal Southern football coach. So that is to say the opinions that, and this isn't his opinion specifically necessarily, but they've already dealt with one weirdo. Now they're dealing with another. I think there's kind of some 
they look at like a Mike Norvell who, while he's got a PhD in coach speak, like it's just kind of a normal dude to a he's degree. A dork, it's like, like you said last time, he's just simply just a like, dork, dork about football. And with Mullen, there. Mullen doesn't want to be there. It's not only that he's not good at recruiting, he knows that, so he hates recruiting. That's dude. why I said last year's going to be going to the, maybe the Raiders this year since they, they just fired John Gruden. He's totally fine with recruiting just good enough to implement. He's a good offensive coach, and he's yep. fine with impl- like getting good enough players to implement the offense effectively. And if you lose a couple here or there, he's okay with it. He just can't be bothered with recruiting. So there's instability at the Florida schools for sure. So Florida State can – I think that they've shown that they have a pretty good recruiting staff. I mean, this – the fact that the class is where it's at, and they have suffered some decommitments, which is the residual effect of losing to Jacksonville State on the absolute lamest bull Hail Mary I've ever seen in my life. It looked like it was happening underwater. It was so slow. So you're starting to see kind of the residual effects of that. Aluba decommitting, committing to Georgia. Travion Williams, the defensive end from Mississippi, openly saying, hey, I'm looking for better offers. Now, Florida yeah. State's got some time to make up on that, but – I'd say I'd say I'd still say you could you could call Mike Norvell and his guys an overall pretty good recruiting staff. So the opportunity's there for us to take back the state and then hopefully expand out from there. Sorry to cut a, you know, cut everybody off from the wonderful interview we're having with Mr. Trey Roland, but I would be remiss if I didn't talk to you guys a little bit about sweat block. As you can see, I'm a little bit of a heavier set guy. So one of the big things that I had to do back in the day before sweat block was Find clothing that had hid the sweat stains and everything else. I'll be wearing darker clothing or bigger stuff. Shout out to hoodies. But with sweat block, your boy is heading over to Lululemon. It's over in the Bonobos. It's over in Time Bahama and wearing these colorful free-flowing shirts. And I am not worried about a single sweat drop because sweat block, boys and girls, works for everything. It stops excessive sweat for up to seven days per use. It is doctor-created, doctor-recommended. As a dry shirt guarantee, and you can find it pretty much anywhere on Amazon at CVS or go straight to the source at sweatblock.com by using promo code locked on L O C K E D O N to get 20% off your order. Folks, trust, trust and believe sweatblock is not just for your armpits, it's for your chest, your back, your feet, and your hands. Trust me, all the editing <laughs> it gets to you a little bit. So head on over to sweatblock.com, use promo code locked on. To get twenty percent off your order. So then, where do you sit right now, actually, with your opinion on Coach Mike Norvell? Because I, I, Max, can tell you right now, after the Jacksonville State game, I've been out on him for a little bit right now. I've been very down. I know we got the UNC win, the Syracuse win, but just like that, solidified that this man is extremely stubborn. And also, the explanation he gave me for the prevent, like, oh, we, they, I don't want them to have enough time to kick a field goal. When I'm like, it's a freshman kicker. Like I'd rather you, I'd rather so than the hail mary. So then, where do you sit right now, actually, with Coach Mike Norvell? Yeah, and there's, there's, there, there was some issue with some of the things that he was saying, like what, how much is he trying to cover for his his defensive coordinator and all that sort of thing. So we, you, you got to read into some of those comments with a little bit of an analytical eye to see what actually happened. And luckily, I get to watch the film every week on the Triple Option X's and O's YouTube page. Go to the X's and O's Patreon. My partner Kevin is poor. It's a running joke. So I'm sure you'll get it if you watch. Um, it, X's and O's wise, 
he does some impressive stuff. Florida State's wide receivers are absolute just hot, like trash juice, like the stuff that ends up on the side of Bourbon Street at like two in the afternoon, just like bubbling and just awful. They can't get open. So a lot of times they start to win a couple of one-on-one battles the past few weeks, but a lot of times the reason that they've been open is they've been schemed open. There's been a whole lot of schemed open stuff. Mike Norvell is really good about having a play that has multiple options off of it to create some kind of confusion and some, um, some hesitancy in the defense. So I've been, I've been more, he's the X's and O's coach. I thought he was the, the things that disappointed him with me is personnel usage was a real head scratcher for me, um, yeah. particularly in the beginning of the year. Obviously the running back touches were off and it felt like he was very committed to a very third, a third, a third, almost distribution, which didn't make any sense when you had Trayshawn Ward and Jayshon Corbin running the way they did. Uh, I was also disappointed in when they were talking about accountability, they still had a lot of players out on the field that had been awful. There'd been some chatter of them not practicing very well. And so also some kind of off field in the locker room stuff where they weren't really good influences. And those guys were still getting playing time. And then I also kind of question not so much his ability in totality to evaluate what he's got, but I thought the distribution of the, the, the offers that he laid out in the transfer portal, which overall, the transfer portal's a win. Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas, Jamie Robinson, it's a win all day. You've got some, some guys that are some of the best players on the team in the transfer portal. But the distribution of more offense, why do we go off in our offensive lineman here? There were reports of Andrew Parchment being a dud at Kansas and he was your only wide receiver or like, so I still got my questions. Um, Overall, I think he's got the tools necessary to be the guy. Um, He's also dug himself a pretty substantial hole with what happened at the beginning of this season. Now, is he a good enough coach to coach out of it? He may be, but to me, I'm not in or out. I just evaluate the film as it comes and a lot of it's going to depend on how he holds that 2022 recruiting class together. To me, this season, you ask me, like, hey, man, how many wins is a good season? I go, however many wins is enough to keep A.J. Duffy and Travis Hunter. That's, yep. a, that, that's a successful season. Exactly. Um, so I, numerically, I don't know what that is. So to me, I am firmly in the camp of I am riding the fence. The jury's still out. He does a lot of good stuff. He does some stuff that is questionable to me, but – I'm I'm as the way I feel about the program is is analogous to the way I feel about Mike Norvell. Slightly optimistic. So a couple a couple things in there. I want to just you know plug my my own film breakdown and and I want to hit what yeah. you said about how he uh, how he does things that have so many different looks. So one play I broke down um, last week was where they used Cam McDonald as the squat the squat back. Right, they've got him down like in a three point stance right behind the tackle. Mm-hmm. obscured vision and they did that weird little it literally looked like a synchronized dance a double counter to the right side they pull dylan gibbons it goes for like 11 12 yards to the right side uh, back is on the left cam mcdonald's on the left maybe four plays later they run the exact same play in every aspect except cam mcdonald doesn't go lead block he just sits there like he's in pass pro and then all of a sudden turns around for a screen pretty interesting stuff how he does that right because the defense it's like whoa same formation, same, even the guard, you know, pulls both yep, times to the left action. side. Yep. Entirely different situation of what actually unfolds. 
The problem is, I think, to your point about personnel usage, Norvell relies on that scriptedness so heavily that he can't see, like, you know, he, he loses the forest through the trees, right? He can't see, okay, maybe this isn't working tonight and we need to go to plan B. It's like, well, we got to do this because if we don't do this, then we can't do the next play and we can't do that six plays down the line I've got drawn up already. And I, I'd like to see him be able to improvise a little more because I think that's that's proving to be his biggest weakness, at least from what I look at. I would say that as far as the personnel usage stuff, I had a bigger issue with that at the beginning of the season. It sounds like as Florida State has started to form an identity, and that identity is based solely around now Jordan Travis is your unquestioned number one starter, and your running backs are the they're the pinnacle of your like they're, they're the focal point of your offense. My issue was as far as like inflexibility. I feel like his scheme does actually lead to some flexibility in game. It is kind of what it is where I felt where I'd agree with you, where he was inflexible is he wanted Florida state to be that explosive passing team mm-hmm. that he had at Memphis when he had, um, what's that kid's name? Brady, Brady white, uh, Brady, when he had Brady white, not when he had, not the first year when he just had the running backs, when he had Brady white, lived and died by explosive plays. He got McKenzie Milton. He wanted the UCF explosive mm-hmm. passing offense. And it almost seemed like we all did. It, it took him a little bit longer to realize. And a lot of that was because of that magic of when he came in against Notre Dame. It took him longer than it should to realize that, hey, you don't have the wide receivers to be that explosive passing offense. So to me, yeah. that's where I saw the stubbornness. To me, that's done a complete 180 once it's like, okay, give the keys to Jordan, scheme around what he does well, let him run the zone read stuff, give him some easy throws, and then Jordan Travis does have a good enough arm to beat you over the top with, like you said, Max, once he can kind of lull you into a false sense of security. You've seen the same run action three or four times. You've seen even the same route combinations. The play where Ontario Wilson caught that big touchdown pass, Mm-hmm. He did that same motion throughout the game like six different times, and they did different plays off of it. So it's hard for it's hard for a college defender to recognize what the hell's going on because you've seen the same exact play, and they do something different off of it every time. It seems so. There's, I still say as an X's and O's guy, he's a plus X's and O's guy in my opinion. As far as like the game management, like the game theory stuff, when to go for it, when to kick it. I actually like him there too. I think he follows. Oh, I, I the love analytics. that he goes for it on fourth down. Yeah, I don't I, mind that. I, I, I love it. Now. I think it's such a breath of fresh air than like, you know, like what Dino Babers did against Clemson. I'd much rather have Norvell mm. be wrong every now and then than have a coach that does that. You know, with the with the KZ situation, and I don't mean this to say KZ is bad by any means. It's just, you know, we put. I think I kind of blame the coaching staff for putting too much uh, uh, load on him too early. But do you think it was like when you come home four years later from college and? You run to that kid that was cool in high school and like it takes your brain longer than it should to realize like he's not actually that cool anymore because he never did anything with his life. Like, do you think Norvell had some of that of like, okay, this kid kicked my ass at UCF. Like he just couldn't quite watch practice and go, eh, maybe it's not the same kid that put 400 yards on me when he was wearing black and gold. Yeah, yeah, like you come back from college the night before Thanksgiving and you're all out at the local bar yeah, and know. the kid and the quarterback in high school that was a bagger at Publix is still yep. a bagger at Publix and he's still trying to talk the same amount of shit to you that he was when you were both at high school. Yep. Uh, yeah, dude, I, I, I think that's a very interesting way to describe that effect, but yes. 
Mike Norvell handpicked Mackenzie Milton. And it's because Milton beat his ass multiple, multiple times at Memphis. And the kid was a phenomenal. He was a phenomenal college quarterback. I, I don't know if I'd say that he put too much on him too quick with with what they did for the Notre Dame game, he saw a little bit of proof of concept there. I think he held on to that potential of what Florida State's offense could be with a good McKenzie Milton longer than he should have. Interesting. When you when the way that they treated the Jacksonville State game is just a glorified flag football game. When you could have yeah. run, you could have run over and over and over again and 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 beat the hell out of them. That's going to be a stain on Mike Norvell's career. His entire coaching career. He's always yep. going to be the Florida State coach at Locks of Jacksonville State. He's got to live with that. And he's got to overcome that on the recruiting trail because that was a mess of his own making. So I, I'm glad that that's finally the the fan fiction of like, what could it be? Florida State with the 2017 UCF offense dead, buried. I don't think we have any 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 delusions that's going to happen again the problem is is i and i love jordan travis as the quarterback as far as what we can do the floor is much higher with him the ceiling is limited problem is we got to keep him healthy so the bye week came at a good time but i love jordan tough as nails historically not a guy that usually finishes out an entire game yeah Sorry to cut it back, you know, away again, folks, but we have to let you know about our friends over at rockauto.com. I've said it before. And I've said it again. I might have to call up my uncle, Theo Francisco, down in Delray Beach, Florida. He's been a mechanic for the past 25 to 30 years. He'll lie to you about his age because you know how old people get, but he has been using Rock Auto since day one. Rock Auto, they family-run business, whether it be getting, you know, brake pads, getting lighter fluid, Getting even stuff for your AC. My AC was having issues the other day, and I went straight to rockauto.com because if I went to an auto parts store and I went to straight to the dealership, it would be either a 30%, a 50%, or even up to 100% markup on what I actually need. And Rock Auto is a family-run business for do-it-yourselfers and has reliably low prices for every single customer. So please head on over to rockauto.com right now and write locked on in their How Did You Hear section so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And once you're done at rockauto.com, head on over to the fastest and easiest website to place all your sports betting action, betonline.ag, whether it be NFL, NCAA, NHL is back, NBA is back, MLB baseball playoffs have started. Shout out to the Houston Astros, the Red Sox, the Dodgers. I won't name the other team. Keith, I know I'm speaking directly to you. I hope you all lose the rest of your games and not make it any further. But with that being said, let me go over to the BetOnline.ig line of the day. For this weekend, folks, you can listen to the Week 7 Pick'em episode I have with Dane Domino. However, the BetOnline.ig line of the day from my vantage point, I am taking the over, sorry, the under, under, folks, in LSU Ole Miss at 75 and a half. Folks, if you had listened to the episode last weekend, that number was too high. Last week, it was 83. This week, in my personal opinion, Matt Corral might not be starting. He was banged up and hurt really badly at the end of the Tennessee game. And with LSU, I don't see them having another high-scoring output after they scored on three separate turnovers last week against Florida. The bellline.edg line of the day, folks, is the under 75.5 and LSU and Ole Miss. And now back to the interview. 
Yeah, and the one good thing with Jordan too, though, you know, he kind of like I I don't think I've ever seen him smile like the way he did actually at the UNC game. I know they have the big picture that's going around like Twitter and Google where he's like putting the fingers up after he scores, and that's the yeah. one big difference you see now that like I think bringing in someone like Casey actually helped him be a lot more confident, like understand, like, you know, his role with teams. Like, listen, like I need to push through some of this pain because like, he's always a tough kid. We said last year that he was a huge gamer, and he's the main reason why he kept in a lot of football games last year and this year as well. So it is really to see a, like a happier, a better Jordan Travis. Now, kind of pivot from all the happiness and sunshine. Let's go over some of the actually we I, we asked you last time uh, you were on here, and that oh was the, the side of the defense. Uh, you guys on Triple Ops actually talk a little bit more about. I know the X's and O's are how like how would you try to show what Adam Fuller is trying to do with this personnel? Why it's not all not simply always an issue that he's the issue, right? Mm-hmm. So, I want to kind of get you know your thoughts on how if Adam Fuller has like progressed actually as the DC and also. You mentioned another name that you were kind of hoping would do a little bit better, and that was Chris Marv. And I kind of want to get your thoughts on those two in particular, because those are two that we, in my personal opinion, like probably are not going to be back here next year. Yeah, as far as Adam Fuller goes, um, there's been a lot of times this year where guys are not trusting their technique, particularly in the defensive backfield. Uh, you see a lot of plays where we got burned. Guys would take inside leverage when they didn't have to there was confusion as they were playing like cover four cover three when, when to when to let the guy go whose guy it was um alignment issues now a lot of the stuff in the defensive backfield has been cleaned up the problem with adam fuller right now is that and they've had two pretty pretty solid defensive performances in my opinion back to back you got to see you got to see if that carries itself throughout the year the problem is, is that he had to simplify so much of his defense that if you looked at a Florida State defensive coach team in 2021 and you compare it with like Memphis's defense in 2019, you would not think that it's the same defensive coordinator. He is not as aggressive as he liked to be. He's not as aggressive as he was at Marshall or Memphis where he had all that success. He was a big proponent of um, uh, like – I guess you'd say subterfuge, like confusion, like looking at giving one look pre-snap and doing something different. A a lot of this guy's blitzes. I think he did a lot of those at Memphis too. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of just anything to draw like confusion. And we're not seeing that now Florida state has not been competent enough on defense to, to do that. So that's the problem is Adam Fuller is not and whether it's, he can't because he's not getting the message relayed well enough to his guys to do it. Or if he's kind of snake bit right now, like I can't put any more in these guys' plates or I'm going to get burned again. He's not coaching like what got him the job. Now, the past couple of weeks have been better. Uh, the defensive line has been a strength all year, but you're starting to see the past couple of weeks in the defensive backfield, new faces, younger faces, and you're starting to see better technique. The fact that Jerrion Jones, who's a guy that I personally threw on the scrap heap, I didn't think he was going to be good at Florida State at all got to break the rock and had two or three monumental plays against North Carolina is a massive surprise and a massive win for that coaching staff. Marcus Woodson, a guy that we questioned as well. It's harder to question him because he's a, he's a recruiting ace. Um, yeah. He's not going anywhere, but that's a win for Adam Fuller. Now, if you want to talk about Chris Marv, that's a guy that's not recruiting well. And that's a guy who the whole of the defense all year has been the linebackers. Yeah. They played better. They played better against UNC and Syracuse. Kalen Deloach's progression has been a very big success story. The fact that we are getting something out of that kid is great. However, there's still too many, there's too many lapses 
in knowing what they need to do and where they need to be at the second level where if that stuff doesn't get cleaned up more, Florida State's going to get their asses kicked in the second half of the schedule. And if Chris Marv doesn't stop recruiting better, I know he's got like some weird square soccer mom body and those like dorky glasses. The blue shorts. <laughs> want to tell, yeah, with the weird like fupa, like, like shorts. Like he's an odd guy, which I don't care about if you recruit well. Um, but you're an odd guy and you're not recruiting well and you're not coaching particularly well. A couple of things. Like I said, I don't want to discount the Kalen Deloach progression, but. He's got Emmett Rice from last year. Yeah, and he coached up Emmett Rice last year. Emmett Rice was maybe the most improved player out of the entire year. And if they can get, I don't know, I don't know what Emmett Rice's health status is. That was a massive blow to. The He's going to do a Van Wilder come back for like a ninth year next year. We'll yeah, take him, brother. A medical, we'll medical. Him. I just um, think it's it's just it's tough because you look at the value of coaching versus recruiting, and at some positions like head coach, you know, with Dan Mullen, maybe there's times where it's a wash, but. It's like going back to the old days of working at a bar, right? You can make the best drinks in the world, but if you're not getting anyone in the door, it's kind of irrelevant, right? So yeah, for sure. Marv Absolutely. knew he's taking over this unit that needs to be improved. But if he doesn't bring in better guys, like you can only polish your current roster up so much at that position. And it doesn't look like, I'll give you Kalen Deloach, I agree. That's been a great improvement, but it's not like, that might be a kid who maybe just wasn't playing to his potential. And, you know, we're not seeing that yeah. like, across the board like okay he's getting this massive efficiency of performance out of these kids so i just well, let me let me clarify then personally what yeah, i yeah. feel i don't feel like both marvin fuller are recruiting plus coaching well enough to yeah. where it's a lock that they need to be back next year i agree with that so i'm trying i, I want to give nuance that it's not all sure, bad sure. right it's not all good to me they're not doing enough good on both fronts right now to justify keeping their jobs next year so that's where i'm at right now I just like, I don't know. I maybe I'm just the contrarian on Fuller. I don't know. I don't know. I almost feel like Fuller because when I watch the games and like y'all do watch the tapes, you do see where like it's like he had the right idea. The players missed the communication here that sure. led to a long time. And I, you know, so I'm more on the like Marv needs to go train than I am Fuller. Like I think, I think Fuller, if we win three more games this year, I think he's earned himself another year unless. Florida just hangs 52 on us and Miami embarrasses us. And like, I, I don't know. I, I'm really starting to see his defense come together, but Marv is just the one for me where it's like, I'm th that ticket's already been punched on my, uh, in my ticket book. Like I'm, I, there's nothing really he can do to, unless he goes and signs some five star and you know, something crazy fair. we don't expect. I, I, I think that's very fair. Um, truthfully, Fuller gets the rap because of that play at the end of Jacksonville State and how they the defense performed last year. The main problem for this Florida State team has been on the offensive side of the ball, um, in my opinion. That's been the side of the ball that, if I had to pick, has been the most the more disappointing. Sure. Mike Norvell's not going to fire himself. Um, he may not fire his Harry Potter bud, Kenny Dillingham. Um, there's continuity from the Memphis side there. But, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, like I said. Marv is in a position, especially recruiting wise, it's a bad position. Florida state was in on a number of targets. There's a number of names linked to Florida state. If you don't sign, if you don't get them to sign the line, pack your bags, pal. See ya. Yep. Get exactly. the hell out of here. But LSU, like we said, Etouffe Ogre gone. Demario Tolan, a linebacker from central Florida says Florida state up. is up there. That's a current LSU commit. You get that kid in great. 
Daniel Martin, the kid from Georgia who's looking at Vanderbilt and Oregon. That's a huge target for FSU. Like I it's funny because of the coaches' fates. I, I do think that there's going to be some switch up yeah. at the end of the season, no matter what. But the coaches' fates are similar to like the team and the program's fates. They're not, it's not, you can't stick a fork in really almost anybody yet because they, they all have enough room to move to where they could maybe save their gigs. But if I had to pick like the most likely to get fired, it would be Chris Marv for yeah. sure. What's up, guys? Drake here. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And thank you again, Mr. Trey Rowland, for coming on. It's always a great time to talk some FSU football with someone that we've we've gone a little close to. And now this is his third time coming on, and I assure you it won't be his last. Please tune in tomorrow to part two of our interview with him. And we discuss a little more, a little more of the coaching staff where we see the direction of the team moving forward. And we also kind of have a little fun and play athletic director for the University of Coral Gables down south. Now, please, if you can. Don't forget to rate, review, like, share, or subscribe either on our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. And if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the little bell icon so you'll be notified immediately whenever we drop a new video. Thank you guys so much for the love and support. And for myself, for Trey, for Max, we'll see you tomorrow on Locked on Seminoles. And take care, everybody. <laughs>